0: You know, at the end of the day, when you're in sports tech, you're going to get sucker punched. You're going to have a business concussion along the way. You always have to make sure your momentum is bigger than your problems.
1: You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I am your host, Thomas Loams. Delighted to have you join us again this week. On today's show, we have Travis McDonough, the founder and CEO of Conduct. Conduct's Athlete Management System, or AMS collects data from external sources and automates certain reporting and alerts regarding human body performance and well-being. It's used by over 550 teams, leagues, athletic associations, performance centers, military and healthcare organizations around the world. Some of these clients include dozens of NHL, NBA, NFL and MLB teams, as well as Gatorade, Olympic sports associations and enterprise healthcare partners. Conduct was recently acquired by Mcube, a US-based technology company enabling the Internet of Moving Things. This acquisition is the largest exit for a Canadian sport tech company in history and one of the largest exits in Nova Scotia tech history. As I mentioned, this is a recent acquisition. It was actually announced last week. So we're delighted to have Travis on the show while it's still very fresh, uh, sharing his entrepreneurial journey over the last 10 years, uh, but also importantly sharing some of the insights of how he's seen the industry shift um, over that time and, and where he thinks it's going. So I won't stick around too much more in this introduction. We want to dive straight into that interview. I will say if you would like to learn more, you can go to sportstechfeed.com for show notes, um, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever that is. You can also go to sportstechworldseries.com, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, you get weekly, we don't, we don't bomb your inbox, you get weekly updates uh, of all the best articles that are happening in, in sports tech uh, and also update about the podcast. That's enough out of me. I'm your host, Thomas Alomes. Uh, I'll be jumping back in at the end of the interview to share a few final wrapping up thoughts, but here is Travis McDonough. Travis McDonough, CEO and founder of Conduct. Welcome to Sports Tech Feed. Great to have you on the show.
0: Appreciate uh, the invitation. Looking forward to it.
1: So Conduct was founded back in 2010. 10 years ago, uh, I mean, it's been a wild ride. Um, Obviously, capped off recently with um your acquisition um we'll get onto that that a little bit and the ideas of of uh building a sports tech startup and, and the practice of building a sports tech startup but what's the biggest change you've seen in the industry over the last 10 years uh, along that journey
0: yeah that's a great question it's a it's a loaded answer um, but i think yeah 10 years ago in the world of sports tech um there was a lot of theories a lot of concepts Um, a lot of potential, again, a lot of ideas, uh, but not a lot of strong use cases uh, or actionability. Um, So yeah, we've seen a radical transformation in this space. uh, And I think what happened is, is that over 10 years, it went from idea to some solid use cases, now to real meaningful discoveries, epiphanies, um, and in a, a changed way to look at some metrics that really matter and are heavily involved in new decision making to enhance performance, to mitigate injury, to identify talent, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a very uh, significant maturation um, that has occurred in the space, and that you know that's happening right now at a, an exponential rate. So. Although there was a lot happening in the last 10 years, I think in the next 10 years, um, we're going to even see a, a, a higher growth uh, curve too. So. Yeah,
1: kind of pushing out of the hype cycle, pushing from um, exciting concept to practical application. Uh, yeah, makes yeah,
0: yeah. so that was a really big one. I think, I think the other huge one, and we're starting to see it in particular in the last sort of two or three years, is the rise of the power uh, in the hand of the athletes. I think 10 years ago, um, everything was more league-driven or team-driven, agent-driven, but we're starting to see now the the voice of the player and the individual uh, kind of rise above. So there's this power surge. And I think players are starting to say, hey, look, any data that's tapping into the chemical soup of my body Really, that species of information, I should have at least some access to, some control of. I want it secured. I want it in some type of a permission-based authentication. So I can authenticate it to different stakeholders around me, and I could potentially monetize it as well. So, so I do, that, that has been a huge, significant, um, again, change in, in the last two or three years in the space.
1: Is that also part of the fact that these athletes coming through the next generation are digital natives? So, so they're used to they're used to interacting with technology. It's, it's not scary, it's not it's not foreign, it's not outside their, their realm of experience.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think I think there's been the feeling like there's been an affair going on behind the back of individuals when they don't know what data. Is, um, is being collected and they're not really technology omnivores. If, if they're um, unaware or don't embrace technology, there's a little bit more of a fear factor. And as you said, this, this next generation who are leaning into data, who embrace um, innovations are really grabbing this uh, by sort of the scruff of its neck and trying to take control in a good way. Uh, and uh, it, it feels like it's right uh, for the industry right now.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's interesting. It's been mirrored on things with name image likeness in the U S and, and athlete empowerment in terms of what we have seeing in social justice. It's kind of these mega trends of the athletes stepping forward um, and taking control of their destiny a little bit um, and, and coming to the fore. It's interesting that it's replicated in, in their performance and in the way that they take control of that as well.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's just where I think we're going to continue to see that trend um, dramatically over the next little bit. Well, this is the
1: this is the um, the big crystal ball question. What's the prediction for the next ten years?
0: Yeah, again, I think we're going to continue to see major breakthroughs. I think we're going to see more uh, seamless data capture. I think we're going to see um, data infused in woven fabrics. I think automatic motion capture um, is going to continue to transform the space. I think there's even going to be you know more breakthroughs in digestibles or uh, data elicitation devices that are are tapping directly into the bloodstream and, and fluids in the body that provide real-time information back. So I think those things are going to continue. I also think there's going to be lots of um, unique derived metrics. So taking multiple data sources um, that are traditionally in siloed locations and having them culminate into some overarching score that represents um, you know, almost uh, an ability to detect how ready the player is to perform on that day. Um, Examples like a cognitive fog uh, index score or a fatigue index or a soft tissue strain number, these types of things that represent, um, you know, four or five different data sources that culminate. And those will be validated because the amount of data that's being collected around them Um, Similar to what we've seen in healthcare, what happened 30 years ago in healthcare is that all the data was in vanilla file folders and filing cabinets and electronic medical records took all of those into one concentrated electronic format and that really led to significant breakthroughs, um, epiphanies, earlier detection, better treatment, better outcomes Um, And, you know, one particular example is a cardiovascular risk profile, which is five different data sources that roll up into one and that acts as a barometer of, you know, someone's uh, risk profile. So I think these are the things that we're going to see for sure in sports in the next little bit. Um, And we're really excited to be a participant um, in some of that innovation.
1: Yeah, it's another element of the longitudinal nature of that data that you have athletes that are coming through um, for their career as athletes um, from a young age. You have that data on them, so you can see where they've gone, that it's, um, it's not these gaps anymore. It's, it's the richness of the data starts earlier, so you can see, see that over a, over a time scale.
0: Yeah, well said. And I think you're spot on. I mean, one thing that we're realizing is although we've really focused in on the elite space and and we have, you know, many different teams and leagues and organizations up there, we're beginning to work down the total addressable market to productize the offering. So the masses can leverage it. And then they, as you, you, you know, wisely pointed out, they'll be able to collect data almost through this thing like the personal sport record where they take their data with them throughout their journey. Um, and then we have just a much wider swath of data um, that we can analyze, evaluate, um, and, and, and really use to predict the probabilities of things happening in the future. So um, I think that's going to be a significant trend too, using all the KPIs and all the data, pushing it downstream, and then allowing people to, to collect the, the, all their data along their journey.
1: Yeah, which goes back to that, that point you made earlier. It's about the individual being able to take control of that because that only works if they can carry that. If it's not going to, you know, it's owned by one academy here or it's owned by a team here or a, a coach here. It's being able to go throughout the journey. Um, you take that with you um, as
0: you percent, 100%, 100%. And again, not to go back to a healthcare example, but – In healthcare again it went from EMRs electronic medical records were a big breakthrough and then personal health records which shifted some of the onus and responsibility but control back into the individual patient's hands this trend we're seeing in sports where the athlete will be able to you know hoover in all their data uh, whether it's biometrics or in-game stats or video feeds or it have you and again accumulated over a longer period of time um, and uh, be able to make more sense of it and to share it with different stakeholders or who they want to share it with.
1: Yeah, yeah I really like that, um, that comparison with, um, with health records because that's something that's that's well-established and, and sometimes the sports technology industry um, tries to reinvent the wheel or, or forgets that they are part of a broader technology community so it's looking to, to other uh, areas where it's done and it's done well. So that's a great... Yeah. Uh, moving on to, to some of the actual, uh, kind of nuts and bolts of of building the business. So as I said, founded in 2010, now into 2020, with the exit, it's the largest exit for a Canadian sports uh, tech company, um, ever. Uh, so, I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic growth journey from, from back then. Um, so what are some of the key pieces of advice that stuck with you along the journey, uh, from that founder stage to now being an established business leader yeah <laughs> that's
0: another great question um, and yeah one thing to point out is that for sure as as i you know, maybe make a suggestion or pass on my thoughts it's it comes from a humble place and not knowing that we don't have any of the answers right for any other industry but it you know what we learned it certainly helped us get get to where we wanted to go um, and I think that, you know, and not to kind of be cheesy and use a quote, but I love that John Wooden quote, um, the famous basketball player, uh, don't let what you can't do get in the way of what you can do. Um, and there were a lot of things in the early days that we, we couldn't do, uh, but we really focused in on the things that we had control over, that we were proficient at. We doubled down on those things um, and nurtured them. Uh, and one of the things was our people, uh, our people, our people were, Um, yeah, great listeners. They really cared. They were passionate. Uh, so yeah, we're really proud of the fact that a lot of those people from 10 years ago are still with us today and they were our greatest asset. Um, and yeah, so I think, I think that was a big thing for us is to not be blinded by or held back by the many things you can't do in the early days as a, as a tech startup. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that, that was one, I think for, for us, for us to being self-aware, um, and, and being self-aware is really understanding who you are as an organization. I know a lot of people talk about the why and the what, but, but knowing, you know, kind of who we are and focusing in on that, uh, making sure that, um, you know, we focus in on, you know, want to being the best teammate as possible or being the best, uh, support organization or, you know, how do, how would you want to be remembered as an individual or as a group in 10 years? And that that was really our North stars and organization and, 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 really, really helped um, along the journey. Um, so yeah, those are, those were two things that are really sort of close to our hearts and, and, and helped. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you're in sports tech, you're going to get sucker punched. You're going to have a business concussion along the way. You always have to make sure your momentum is bigger than your problems. And for us, you know, those, those two things were paramount to, to keep us going.
1: Yeah, I really like that um, that concept of the business concussion. I've, I've heard you use that before, um, and I, I really like that. Hopefully, it doesn't lead to um, CTE, but the <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know, it might.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the track, but it's um, but it, it, it's a it's a cool concept that it's um, you know, business is a contact sport. Um, I mean, the other the is business with, is war without bullets um, was another. Another quote, but it's a bit similar thing that it's a contact sport. There's going to be points where you get knocked down um, and it's just in sport. You you've got to get up and keep going.
0: 100%. Yeah. And, you know, the, as a former boxer, the, you know, the tech space and the boxing ring get called out as the chamber of truth, right? Because when, when you're in there, there's nowhere to hide. Uh, it exposes you, but you learn a lot about yourself when you're, when you're under fire up against the ropes. Um, and I don't care who it is in whatever tech company you're in, you always at some point face crazy adversity. And that's when you got to sort of reach deep down. Um, And again, you learn a lot about the people you're going to battle with. uh, And you got to be able to look to the left and right, knowing that they're beside you in the battle. And I think that brings you together in many ways, it becomes a source of connective tissue throughout an organization. So all those. Um, adversity challenges again really helped uh, to bring our unit uh, collectively together
1: yeah can you can you think of any individuals that you took at you took advice from or you saw as business leaders why did that resonate with them because something that a lot of sports tech um, companies that I work with and need a mentor or consult um, for is. It's, there's no shortage of, of opinions um, or good ideas. Um, how good they are is, is um, up for debate. But in terms of someone giving their two cents to, to a startup, whether it's um, your uncle auntie at a barbecue or it's an established <laughs> business leader who maybe isn't a domain-specific um, expert on the area, everyone will give their two cents. How do you basically go, this is good advice, I should listen to this, um, and, and looking back over the last 10 years.
0: That's a, that's also a, 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 difficult question. It's a great question, difficult question to answer. Um, because again, if I go back to analogies, I love using analogies and the analogy about being a boxer. A lot of people say, Oh, I'm a, I was a boxer when really they shadow boxed or hit the bag. But what, and they're the ones who are sort of full of advice, but what you realize when you're in the ring and they're in the fifth row, and your blood is spilling on their popcorn, and they're telling you what to do, you're sort of like, what? I'm in here getting my butt kicked, and they're out there, and they haven't been in here. And this isn't to disregard their feedback or whatever, but you kind of realize in many ways that they're, this hasn't been done before, and so there's no one that has a playbook And most of the learnings you learn through trial and error, and you learn from the group of people that you're working with, because they become a a hoover of information from clients and from people in the industry. And they're the ones that ultimately help to set the North Star. And the North Star changes a little bit, but it's from, you know, all the collective feedback. And a lot of that feedback is from our clients and from, from our people internally. And that, that's, that's been the greatest sources of advice for us and what's helped us the most along the way. And it doesn't mean there hasn't been valuable inputs because there have been. Um, and we're very um, you know, grateful for those. But at the end of the day, you kind of realize at some point the cavalry ain't coming to help you figure this out. You got to figure it out yourself.
1: Yeah, I really like that, that that it's the the internal people in your team and then also customers because at the end of the day that's who that's whose opinion matters um, in terms of uh, of what you're developing. That's certainly something I'd say to startups, this is what I would do, this is my advice, take it for what it's worth, but validate it with the people you're actually selling XYZ to. So
0: that's right. That's right.
1: But there's um there's uh, Ryan Holiday um, who's a local Austinite as well um, and does a lot of kind of mindfulness and and business uh, books. Uh, He talks about the, again, I think it's from Hemingway and and kind of all over the shop. I'll try and find a reference um, in the show notes, but um, the man in the ring, um, the idea of the bullfighter, it's like actually um, uh, taking, taking advice from someone, as you said, is, is, is in the ring, is in the book, whatever that is. um, They're the people that uh, really know what it's like. And they're the people that are, that are learning because they're the ones that if they make a mistake, business concussion or, or just a regular old concussion. So, yeah, <laughs> I really true. love that concept. And um, building on that, talking about growing this, this sports tech startup, as I said, the largest exit for a Canadian sports tech uh, company and also one of the largest exits in Nova Scotia tech history. So can you give a little bit of context for our international listeners um, of Halifax, Nova Scotia, your, um, your current location, location of, um, of conduct? Yeah,
0: we're uh, way uh, out here um, uh, on the eastern seaboard um, on the northeast. We're closer to Dublin than we are Los Angeles. So, so we're quite far out here. Uh, it's a beautiful part of the world, that's for sure. But we're historically more known for our seafood, um, our, you know, Celtic music, our coal mines, than we are for technology. Um, so it, it, you don't grow up thinking, hey, I'm going to move into the tech space. And, you know, I think that's largely um, the mission that we were on is to try to change that narrative and make sure that our kids, our great grandkids knew that this was a place that they could do Uh, very globally reaching things in the the tech space and there's a huge palpable momentum in the tech industry here now Uh, a great place to to run a business of course because it's much um, less expensive than than other places and you know it it, it is beautiful so um, that gives a little bit of context how how far um, northeast we are Um, and yeah kind of geographically.
1: So mentally and I mean this in a positive way so please (laughs) And when I picture uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, I picture like fishing boats. Um, <laughs> yeah. Old man, might be in the corn pipe, with <laughs> like, a blue turtleneck, and a captain's hat, you know, <laughs> out over this this beautiful bay, and like that's that's kind of what I think of. In um, the same way that a lot of people hear my accent, and think I ride kangaroos to work and stuff like that. <laughs> um, I'm riding longhorns and. Um, cowboy boots and cowboy hat, of which I do have one, so there's there's some cliché. <laughs> but what what advice would you give for founders not from the traditional sporting technology or investment kind of powerhouse cities? So London, San Francisco, the Bay Area. Um, that's, I think there's a real myth that you need to be located or you need to kind of have this Hollywood moment. If you want to make it, you need to move there. Um Partly that's false considering a success. So what would your advice be to, to the 99.99% of people that um, don't live in these in these big cities?
0: Well, yeah, I think the, maybe the first thing to even say on that right now is that um, not that there's anything good about COVID, but the one thing that COVID has done in our industry is, is sort of level set uh, because everything is remote now. Um, it There's no... Uh, geographical advantage right now to live in New York or San Francisco because everything is done online. so it 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 has dramatically created a, a, a level set. So that's good. but I know for us we we used we didn't almost not make it um, because where we were from. We made it because we were from here. We used that as a chip on our shoulder. We always knew that this company, uh, you know, was bigger than just our company. It was literally about the region. We fought for a region. We took huge pride in knowing we were from and, and, you know, we were really, we took that responsibility um, to, to heart in that, uh, yeah, we wanted to make sure that we kind of again changed change the way people look at the tech industry here. Um, so yeah, I think that, uh, taking pride where you're from and and using it as a, as an internal cattle prod that pushes you forward is, uh, is important. I think when you are though off the beaten track, you really need to make sure that you invest in your people because, uh, accumulating knowledge in a relatively new market is, is essential. So, um, again, the nurturing, the passing, sharing of information, create a good company culture. Uh, making sure everyone knows the mission that you're on. Um, Those are all things I think that have been paramount uh, for, for our success um, and allowed us to get to where we are today.
1: Yeah, that's great to hear. And and, I mean, you've got to, you've got to love where you live. Like it's one of those things that um, work is, work is work and you, in your startup, certainly gonna be spending a lot of time working, but um, if it's not an environment that isn't um, conducive to living, you know, what you do outside of the office, um, it's going to be a lot harder to do the actual working part. Um, And you're totally right around COVID. I mean, Um, companies like Twitter have have given a permanent um, work-from-home policy. So you think, well, why do you live in San Francisco and pay outrageous rents? Uh, You can't go go anywhere. You can't visit anyone. Um, I mean, come to Austin. That's that's my plug. I'm I'm certainly... I'm certainly uh, inspired by what you say and in, in trying to build the local uh, Austin sports technology ecosystem because I think I look at it and go, why isn't there a sports tech ecosystem here or, or a larger one than exists? Um,
2: was there, was there something
1: that um, uh, kind of in those early stages, did you get direct advice from investors or from other people saying you need to move? Like, was, was there like a, a headwind that you had to overcome and kind of stick to your guns um, in terms of,
0: of we did a lot of people said that. And in fact, I did move, uh, being brutally honest. I moved to, uh, to Palo Alto for 12 months. I relocated my family there. Uh, we had a great experience, but I think we found many things, um, because it's such a new market, you know, we, we thought we don't have the answers. So maybe someone out there has all the answers. And then you, you slowly realize that People don't know at this stage what even the questions are to ask, let alone the answers. Um, and I think that 12 months when I was away and being a remote CEO is is challenging. Um, and you felt, you know, a little bit of a growing disconnect. And I think for me, the epiphany moment is when my son asked me, who at the time was, uh, he would have been nine, I think, you know, sort of said, hey, dad, do you do you need to be in Palo Alto in order to create a successful company. And, and for me, that was like, wow, I sending the wrong message to my, my own kids and the people in our region. So uh, we moved back home um, and you know, we really got a lot of momentum from being back here and gaining strength and plugging into the power source of our culture and our, our people um, and our collective belief. And, and that really, really did work for us.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's great to hear. I mean, as you say, kind of living um, those ideals of, of your people as, as the biggest investment um, and being close to them, being able to work with them, manage them, grow with them, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's, that's, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much, Travis, for um, sharing your kind of perspectives and and really looking forward to seeing how um, conducts go from strength to strength uh, over the next few years, uh, especially with this, this new acquisition. I know that you said um, it's not, it's not the end of the journey. It's just another stop along the way um, and, yeah. It's not these go off into the sunset this is uh, this is still still got a lot to do
0: yeah absolutely yeah we're looking forward to working with our new uh, partners and, and broader company and lots of exciting things ahead but thanks so much for having me on really enjoyed it uh, appreciate the opportunity and best of luck to you and uh, and the Austin sports tech community.
2: Thank you. And before you go, I've got one last question. We ask all of our guests, uh, what is your favorite sporting moment of all time?
0: You know what? Oof, that's a, that's also, I, I think actually, um, for me it was a youth sports moment and you can see it on YouTube. Um, uh, J Mac, a, a kid, a young kid in high school who, who has autism, um, got called onto the court. Um, and he ended up uh, scoring 21 points in the last five minutes of a basketball game. And for me, I still cry like a baby every time I watch that. It, it, it causes the hair to stand on the back of my neck. And it's, yeah, that, I think that for me is my favorite sport moment.
1: Fantastic. We'll get, some, um, we'll get some footage of that into the show notes so people can experience that as well.
2: Travis McDonough, thank you so much for your time. Um, great to have you involved. And we'll be speaking to you again uh, soon, hopefully.
0: Thank you so much. Look forward
2: to it. There you have it. That was Travis McDonough, founder and CEO of Conduct, uh, leader in the AMS space. Uh, fantastic journey. I mean, it, you always want to see success of others. Uh, I think anyone who is grinding it out in the industry with their own startup or or further along that entrepreneurial journey, it's it's great to hear those success stories. Uh, and especially uh, for Someone not taking the, um, the regular path, I guess, and, and forging their own out of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, and I'll try and include some links or something so you can kind of get a sense of it. I'm not sure if my description of it uh, with the, the salty old sea dog with the, the corncob pipe um, quite does it justice. Um, but really for for startups that are out there, for founders that are out there, for people that are out there working in the industry... Just because of where you live or whatever your circumstances are, that doesn't mean that's going to stop you building uh, a really important and impactful business. So take that as a little bit of inspiration um, to keep grinding away. Uh, Also, just for for everyone else in the industry that maybe isn't in that um, startup grind, I think uh, some of Travis's comments around where the industry is heading is really interesting um, and certainly something to watch with acquisition by MCube. Uh, in what they're able to do with tiny, tiny Internet of Moving Things devices. Um, so that'll also be exciting to watch over over the next 10 years. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Thomas lomes It's been a delight to have you listening in and looking forward to seeing you once again on SportsTech Feed. <laughs>